the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a Christian psychotherapist specializing in trauma therapy, couples, relationships, and personal development. She is passionate about your life and is here to encourage, teach, and inspire you to be your own best version. Find her online at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Now, with today's fresh insights, Cynthia Hyatt. Well, welcome to the show. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. Thank you again so much for joining me. And I am very excited to let you know that we do have the shows on all your favorite podcast servers. So Spotify, Google Play, iTunes. Um, I think we're doing TuneIn as well. And SoundCloud, Podbean, all these different ones. So make sure that you check on your favorite podcast server and see if we're on it. If not, you can go to any one of those. You can always go to the website at CynthiaHyatt.com. And if you have a favorite podcast server that you that app that you really like then you can always email me and let me know and we'll make sure the shows get on on that server as well so thank you so much for all your feedback and we are doing this wonderful show that I really do find um, quite encouraging to me and it is irritating habits people don't know they have or irritating and annoying habits you might do that you don't even know you do And so it's encouraging to me because it gave me some time last week to just share personally some of the bad habits that I have that I have to really always be working on managing those. Because remember, we're not necessarily talking about black and white. We're talking, when we say irritating and annoying, these are not illegal, unethical, you know, immoral habits. These are just people, people being people, and sometimes. We're not completely on top of our game, and we might be being a little bit more casual than maybe we need to be. We may be a little more authentic than what might be helpful. And so we have to remind ourselves that we're adults and and that we have to gauge what's comfortable for others and what's comfortable for us and still be who God has called us to be and still be the unique individual that, that we are. So I know that you know different people that might irritate you. And you probably have friends and families that do it. We know that. And we really talked a lot about this verse that I like. It's Matthew chapter 7, verse 3 through 5. And it says, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye? Pay no attention to the plank in your own. How can you say to your brother, Let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You're a hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. And so this is not an all or nothing thing. This is not because none of us are perfect. We should never be allowed to call somebody out on their behavior. Always remember that when we are talking about a habit that someone's doing and we are bringing it to their attention, 
The only time that we should be doing that is if we are wanting our intimacy to be better. It isn't for fixing them, okay? It's because we care about them, because we want to be closer to them. And what we're wanting to say is there's this one thing that just kind of, man, it just gets in the way. It just gets in the way. And I think we talked last week, I know my husband has a very different uh, relating style than I do in terms of, uh, I should say, conversational style. And my tendency is a more intuitive creative person, I think very quickly, is to interject because I don't want to lose my thought. I might talk on top of people. And there's a lot of people in my life that have that same style. So it works really well. And some of that is also a very female relating style. We have a tendency to interrupt each other, talk on top of each other. But it can really drive my husband crazy because he can lose his train of thought. He can feel disrespected. Like, can you let me finish my thought? But I might be thinking, well, I already know where the thought is going. And so part of this, you want to remind yourself, if, if that's part of the problem, then we need to work on pacing. And I have to be careful that I really gauge the other person's communication style and conversation style so that I can match and mirror maybe their pace, maybe the language they use, the way that they talk. Do they use a lot of gestures, a lot of hand motions? Are they really animated? Do they take a long time to think about it? Do they have pauses in between? And I have to be careful not to interject on those pauses. So really be thinking about, you know, these irritating and annoying habits are just that. We all have them, and some of them aren't irritating to some people, and some are extremely annoying to other people. So this is not a judgment issue at all. This is really more honing. Our, uh, ourselves to be really the best version we are to make sure that we are really being salt and light to make sure that we are really being someone that is encouraging of another we want to leave people better after they they finish their conversation with us or their time with us we don't want to leave them needing to be repaired so I always say to people you know this kind of tongue-in-cheek I say you know are you the person that has to come to therapy because of someone or are you the person that causes someone to have to go to therapy, right? So think about that. How am I affecting this person? And so we all like to just be our most authentic, uh, uncensored self. And I have to just let you know from one adult to another, that is how children are. That's why they're so beguiling. That's why they're fascinating. That's why they're cute. That's why they embarrass the adults. Because they don't have the ability when it comes to capacity to self-censor, to, to really say, you know, maybe I shouldn't say that, or maybe I should tailor that, or maybe I should know these people a little better before I share that story. Maybe I'm talking too much. Little children are very much in the moment. That's why they're cute. That's why it's hilarious. It's really not cute and funny, though, when adults are not practicing the censoring of themselves and managing themselves and gauging what the group is like or the person that I'm talking with from any given time to another. So think about that, that, you know, if you are, you know, when we think about I have a plank in my eye and I'm seeing the speck in yours, I want you to ask yourself, am I actually the speck in their eye? <laughs> am I the one that's driving them crazy? Am I the irritant? And many times, if we are willing to just say, none of us are perfect. And so if I just manage myself really well, 
then I usually get a much better version of people. And usually I enjoy probably 99% of the people I interact with. It's unusual for me to be with someone and just go, wow, that was rough. That was rough. I'm glad that's over. That was tough. That's unusual. And so I want you to think about, instead of going to the other side and removing the speck out of their eye, unless it's you, right? I want you to think about, I need to not focus on what, what they're doing to bug me. I need to focus on what might I be bringing to the table that may be causing them to not be the best version of them. And that doesn't mean I take responsibility for their behavior. I just make sure that I kind of check in with myself. I censor myself. I observe myself. And that is not being self-centered. That's being responsible. That's being humble. That's being loving, caring, right? Think about what it would be like to be with Jesus all the time and how revealing it would be to you and I to relate to someone that relates perfectly and that gauges himself and censors himself and controls himself and really wants the best for other people and wants that more than he wants it for himself. So I can guarantee you that if you really practice some of this, you'll be amazed at how much you actually like people and how fascinating they are and how entertaining they are and how very, very different they are. So we left off last week on that whole issue of being competitive and, and one-upping each other and always thinking you have a better story and yours was, was harder and you know yours was scarier or whatever it was, instead of just listening to what they experienced and then saying, hey, you know, I can kind of relate to that. Can I share you a, st- a story with you? And that's really part of the give and take. So how about this next one, taking things too personally? I'm sure you've been with defensive people where you feel like you're walking on eggshells and it seems like everything you say puts them on defense or they're having to justify and qualify and, and give an excuse as to why they said or did what they did instead of just, hey, you know, unless it's like really criminal, immoral, illegal, and ethical, dangerous, it's just human. And we can all relax and just let people be human, not perfect, just imperfect humans that we're hanging out with. So if you're one of those people that take things a little too personally, then you might want to say to yourself, hey, what's the struggle with me, me, myself, and I? Do I judge myself relentlessly? Do I criticize myself? Do I have woundedness of rejection that I keep bringing with me to every interaction I have with someone so that they have to really handle me with kit gloves? And so everything becomes about me, and not because I feel so great about me, but because I feel so badly about me. So I want you to think about that. If you take things too personally, I want you to consider, you may be investigating that some online, reading some books about that, seeing a therapist, anything, talking to one of your friends and saying, you know, I, I've kind of seen myself be defensive and take things personally. Is that, is that accurate? It's okay if you tell me, because I already identified it. And then just even having that conversation will help you feel better about yourself. The more understood you are, the more liked you feel, even if you're not perfect. So I want you to think about this idea of taking things too personally and how much it interferes in conversations and in relationships. And so we're coming to the, the end of this particular segment. 
I want to make sure that you visit the website at CynthiaHyatt.com. It's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Lots of things on there for you. Always like your input and your feedback. Thank you so much for showing up on social media. I always appreciate your support so very much. And anytime you have an idea for a show, you'd like me to address something, uh, you'd like me to write a blog about something, just shoot me an email, let me know what interests you. And I won't be necessarily telling your name on the air unless you want me to. Say, hey, you know, Joe Smith is the one that gave me this idea. But otherwise... That would just be something that I really can do because I, I want to do that for all of us as we are really working on being our own best version and making sure that we are honoring God as he's the one that created us. And he, quite frankly, he's very happy that he did. Even at our worst, he doesn't regret making his people. That's part of what Jesus did. And we're thankful for him. So make sure you hang in there with me. We have three more segments to go. And that you really check out the website at CynthiaHyatt.com. And, and maybe really focus and, and, and do some self-introspection about some of these irritating and annoying habits. This is Cynthia Hyatt. Talk to you in the next segment. Welcome back. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host, and you are listening to Conversations with Cynthia. So I always like to remind you to check out the website at CynthiaHyatt.com and all the social media that we have available for you. Any ideas that you have, anything you'd like to see more of, anything that you would like me to address, you can always do that through social media, or you can contact me at CynthiaHyatt.com. You can also email me at CynthiaHyatt at gmail.com. So glad that you are with me today. You are, if you're just tuning in, you are in the second segment of this show, and we are talking about irritating habits people don't even know they have, or irritating and annoying habits that you do that you might not even know you do. And so remember, these irritating and annoying habits are just that. They're irritating and annoying. They're not majors, okay? <laughs> they're not criminal, they're not unethical, illegal, immoral, they're, they're just maybe kind of a little irritating and annoying. And, and the reason we're addressing them is that we all do them to one degree or another. And they just simply get in the way of our relationships. That's all. It just gets in the way of intimacy. It gets in the way of how much we can enjoy one another. So we always want to be showing up as a grown-up. And that's some of what we talked about in the uh, first segment of the show was, you know, if you take things too personally, sometimes that might be, some issues about, wow, I think the childlike part of me is showing up, and children are, are quite sensitive. They can get embarrassed very easily. They have a very difficult time when they're feeling called out or exposed. And, and so you want to think about this idea of, you know, am I being too authentic? Am I being too uncensored? Because that's also a childlike behavior. And where it's cute with children It's not necessarily cute in adults. So then we talked about this next one a little bit about not giving credit or taking all the credit for something. And this happens in business all the time. This happens in families a lot. (laughs) This happens even within our friends. And sometimes it's just 
a mistake. Sometimes we forget that you're the person that came up with the idea. Or you're the person that told me about that great restaurant. Or whatever it may be. But we really do want to give people credit. And one of the ways that is really helpful to give people credit and help them to continue to want to be thinking about you and supporting your life is to tell them if something worked. So if they said something to you like, hey, did you ever think about trying this? And you try it and it worked great. And you never got back to them and said, hey, thanks for letting me know about that site or that diet or that book or that restaurant or that way to handle my, you know, 17-year-old, whatever it was, give them credit. Tell them, hey, that helped a lot. And that's part of just having a healthy relationship style. And so what happens if you have a hard time giving people credit? Like, even if it was a good idea and everybody likes the idea, but you sit there and you just, you can't join in. You can't say, yeah, it is really a good idea. And a lot of that has to do with maybe we feel in a one-down position. Like we're, we're making this hierarchy. Instead of us all being horizontal and of equal value at the event, at the table, in the office, wherever that is in our family, we kind of let things go vertical. And all of a sudden that person that either had a great insight or a great idea or whatever it may be, all of a sudden they're better than me. So this is subtle, but it sure doesn't feel very good. So this is where you want to say, hey, I need to be a bigger person. I need to not be young, young emotionally. And I need to give credit to where credit is due. It doesn't put me in a one-down position. In fact, if I won't give credit, that actually does put me in a one-down position. Because then I become someone that can appear more selfish or jealous or competitive. And those qualities... Where they're not necessarily, I don't know if we would say they're actually immoral. I, I think they can lead toward that. But they really hurt the interaction that we have with people. They hurt the event. They hurt the relating style. They hurt the relationship. And so when we struggle with giving credit or taking credit for something that maybe we were a part of, but some other people were as well, and we don't want to give others credit, we want to take it all for ourselves. Then what I want you to look at is, I want you to say, hey, did I not get that growing up? Did nobody notice me? Nobody noticed all the stuff that I did and the great things I do, and I'm feeling like, you know, I do and I do and I do, and, you know, where, what kind of thanks do I get? Is it something about, is it jealousy? Like, gosh, they always are in the limelight, and I'm a nobody. Is it something like I need people some, maybe some validation? Self-worth is low, maybe... Why would that be? I want you to ask yourself. And, you know, typically that's one of the ways the enemy loves to attack us. He loves to tell us that we're worthless, that we've got nothing to offer, that everybody's better than we are. And if he can't get us into that one down position where we feel terrible about ourselves and we lose confidence, then he'll want to over aggrandize us so that we conceded. We get thinking that we're better than everybody else, that the whole you know, world or event should work around me, that they're all lucky that I showed up. Neither of those extremes are correct. So I want you to think about, hey, how do I do that? How do, am I willing to give people credit? Am I willing to compliment people? And not because I'm manipulating, but truly give them a compliment and, ha and let them know that someone notices. They look great today. They had a great idea. They handled that situation at work really well. 
wow, they must be really proud of their kids. They must be doing a good job because I see, I, I experienced your children. They're great. Love your kids. What, what is it that, that would be really nice to just give someone? So let's look at this next one. Ignoring the obvious. Changing the subject, right? Have you ever been with, with someone that you're interacting with and you're thinking, how are they not acknowledging this? Or you got done telling them a whole entire story or thought you had and they just they look at you and say, hey, did you see the football game last night? And you think, that's like a whiplash. You think, am I crazy? Did I not just say all of that? What's, what is going on? And see, when we're interacting with people that have a tendency to just kind of ignore what's going on, ignoring even the obvious, especially if it's good or if it's bad, and then simply because they don't like whatever it is the subject you're bringing up, they just change it. They don't even give you a segue like, hey, yeah, thanks for sharing all of that, and can I share this with you? They don't even do a transition. It's just a whiplash. So this is pretty jarring, and it's super uncomfortable because it makes it very difficult for the person that it was done to to actually confront it because that feels really uncomfortable too. So you'll have a tendency to just ignore what the person just did, and everybody moves on, and it's just weird. So really ask yourself, am I tuned into the conversation, or am I just waiting for a space to start talking? So I don't even care if my subject matches what we've been talking about. I just want to start talking about my own thing. So am I barely listening to what's being said and only listening for a place to jump in? So think about these things. We're coming to the the half hour mark of the show. Thanks again so much for listening. And I want to also remind you that I love to do, I love to be keynote speakers. I've done that all over the world. And I love to do that for your organization, your church, your group. I do business as well as um more emotional, more um, relational, you know, discussions. So I can do both of them, and I can really tailor make it for whatever your organization is needing or wanting. So make sure you um, get a hold of me on my website at CynthiaHyatt.com or my my email account, which is CynthiaHyatt at gmail.com. Let me know if I can help you out in any way. Welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. Thank you so much for joining me. We are on our third week as we are talking about irritating and annoying habits that you do that you might not even know you do, or irritating or annoying habits that others do that they may not know that they do. And so we really want to look at these different kinds of things because what will happen is if I don't get on top of what might be irritating and annoying, I end up compromising the enjoyment of the conversation and how much I'm relating to that other person. Because these irritating and annoying things, we would not say they're necessarily immoral or, you know, unethical. What we would say is they just kind of get in the way. They just make it harder and they steal from how wonderful the discourse may be. And they kind of leave us with maybe a bad taste in our mouth a little bit, like, dang, I, you know, I really enjoyed that, except for, why does that person always do that, right? Have you ever said that to yourself? 
And so we left off on this one that's, you know, it's the crazy-making one of ignoring what you're saying, ignoring that you have anything to offer, ignoring that you're struggling, ignoring that maybe you've got tears in your eyes and they just don't want to ignore it and pretend like you don't have an emotion, you know, or just simply changing the subject midstream because they don't want to talk about what you're talking about anymore. And so these things are, are quite, um, they, they really shut down conversations and they make it very difficult for people and they steal from people that feeling of self-worth. So I want you to really focus on what it might be like to be talking to you. And so what's this next one? How about this? Refusing to apologize. Or the person that chronically says, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't mean to do that. I'm sorry. So I want you to think about this, that apologies, saying I'm sorry, asking for forgiveness is a wonderful way to mend relationships and to strengthen relationships and to keep people having lots of, of energy for all of our dysfunctions and all of our imperfections. And so it's one of those like band-aids. It's a salve on a wound. It's very helpful if you do apologies appropriately. If you say I'm sorry too much, what you're basically doing is putting yourself in a one-down position. And you might be saying sorry for things you never even did. Maybe you're saying you're sorry just simply because they didn't like the movie that you liked. Oh, I'm sorry. I really like that movie. Well, this, this is not something to apologize over. So I want you to think about not minimizing the gift of an apology. That an apology is part of asking for forgiveness. It's admitting that, hey, that was a misstep on my part. Uh, that was thoughtless or that was hurtful to you. And even if I didn't realize it would be that hurtful, it was. And I need to acknowledge that and ask for your forgiveness. So when we use I'm sorry too often, we kind of water it down so that it doesn't mean anything. And if you're one of those people that struggles with that and says I'm sorry too much, hey, you're in good company. Those are some of the nicest people, right? But the problem is you're constantly putting yourself in a one-down position. And you will discredit yourself so that if you want to take a stand, it will seem so out of character that people won't know what to do with it. So this is super important. And if you're one of those people that refuses to apologize, well, you have to understand that the people in your life are, even though they may love you, like to hang out with you, they're going to hold you at arm's length because that's not necessarily always a real safe person. Because that means that I can't repair the relationship in the appropriate way. Because you won't even acknowledge what it is that you did. Or you get defensive. Or you justify it. Or you make it my problem. Like, well, I wouldn't have done this if you wouldn't have done what you did. See, these things, even though they feel natural to us as humans, relationally, they destroy relationships eventually. So I want you to really recognize, what is an apology for? It's a gift. It's a gift. And if the person receives that gift, then it's a gift back to you of forgiveness. The safest people, the ones that are most sought out, the ones that people enjoy the most, respect the most, and revere the most, are the ones that understand the power of I'm sorry. And understand the weight of an apology and how to do them well. So think about those things that, wow, I know I should apologize and I don't want to. Well, if you 
have something that you know you should apologize for and you don't want to, let me just tell you a little secret. It probably means you really did do something wrong. Okay? Because sometimes it's easier to say I'm sorry to something that I don't really think is that big of a deal. But to really own up to something and say, man, that was not good on my part. I really missed that. I messed up. I missed the mark. I should never have said that. I, I disclosed a you know, a confidence that you gave me to somebody else. I should not have told them that. Whatever it may be, just join the human race. We all do it. This is Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the last segment as we talk more about irritating, annoying habits that you may be doing you don't even know you do. Welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm your host, Cynthia Hyatt. Thank you so much. If if you had started with me in the beginning of the show, thank you so much for staying through the entire show. If you're just tuning in, you can listen to the show in its entirety on my website at CynthiaHyatt.com. All you need to do is on the homepage, at the top of the page, there's a bunch of words across, and you just hit the listen button, and it'll take you right to the most current show. You also can listen to them on uh, various uh, podcast uh, servers and apps, different apps that we that we have now loaded all the shows onto, and we are busy writing summaries and titling all of them for you, so it's easier to know what, sh- what show it is that you're listening to. And you can also then send them to your friends. So I'm appreciative of the of my assistant Amy, who is willing to do that for me. She's working diligently on really organizing all these shows. So thank you so much, Amy. So we left off on this idea of refusing to apologize or saying I'm sorry too quickly and what that might indicate. And this next one, really a bad habit, very bad habit that is hard to break and very fun to indulge in, and that's gossip. We all can do it. Many times we do it and we kind of don't even realize we're doing it. We're just expressing ourselves, or commiserating with another person or trying to get some validation. So I want to encourage you today to really do some self-reflection and a little bit of, I don't know, inventory maybe, and ask yourself, how do I know when I am crossing the line? Where I'm giving some information to people that I think is important for them to have, and when I cross the line as in, I want to now talk about that person and about their situation. And one of the best ways to know that you're more indulging in gossip is to recognize that you want to talk more about people and not share anything about yourself. Not only do you want to share more about people, but you don't want to know the person in front of you. You and the other person just want to talk about a bunch of other people. And the hard part about gossip is it gives us this momentary feeling of of intimacy. Like we feel super close to the person. But we walk away and we think, gosh, should I have said all of that? Should I have told them that? Or I better be careful what I tell them because I'm, maybe they're not good at keeping confidences, right? So that doesn't mean that we don't have that as part of the intimacy of our group, our family, our friends, whatever that may be. But it has a lot to do with why am I sharing the information? Is it because I don't know what else to talk about? Is it because I 
don't want to talk about myself. I don't want to be someone that's transparent. I don't want to have someone know me and me get to know them. Am I wanting to do the, the fast, cheap way to intimacy when it really isn't intimacy? Am I feeling uncomfortable with this person like I don't know what I'm supposed to talk about with them? So really ask yourself, why is it that I want to resort to gossip as a way to have this, this false counterfeit intimacy with this person? And because and this, this can be very detrimental to just to your own soul. Even if the person that you're talking about doesn't know it, never knows it, you've betrayed yourself by betraying another person. And so I want you to really be thinking about, is this, is this turning into gossip or am I just really sharing? So what are my motives? Uh, how would that other person feel if they found out I was sharing this? How would they feel about how much I'm sharing about them? What parts of whatever it is that I'm sharing? So let's really look at that and identify, isn't there something else that maybe we can talk about? Something about each other. The people that are actually at the table. Can we share stories in our own lives? Can we share mistakes we've made in our own lives? Can we ask for input about a certain situation in our own life? And that really is usually the best way to go. And if you find yourself with someone that just keeps gossiping and you don't want to, then you might have to find a graceful way to end the, the conversation. You know, hey, I have a phone call I need to make, whatever it may be. You might mean, even need to confront it head on and just say, you know what, I, I know you probably don't know you're doing this. Maybe, I, I don't know if you're, you realize, but I'm feeling like this is turning into gossip and I don't know if I'm comfortable with that. And I don't think that's what either you or I want to really engage in. And that takes, that takes a lot of strength, but there's a lot of power in it when you do. And so what goes along with gossip is slander. So maybe they're wanting you to agree with some slander. Maybe they're telling you an experience they had of someone, and it's colored with their experience. Who knows how much of it is fact? And they're wanting you to go, yeah, that's terrible. I can't believe they did that. That's, that's horrible. I never knew that about that person. They shouldn't be acting like that. Whatever it is, whatever the judgment is, that you are participating in slander. You're saying, without even knowing the context of whatever story they're telling you. So you have to be really careful that you don't take it at face value and say, oh, well, yeah, if they did that, then they're a terrible person. Well, you, there's no way you could know the whole story. So this is a really cheap way to relate. And it's a very bad habit and a very annoying and it can be very irritating. But unfortunately, gossip is not annoying and irritating while we're doing it, only afterwards. So how about the person that's always complaining, always sees the negative, is unusually skeptical, always focuses on what's wrong with the idea that you presented, the coulda, shoulda, woulda, if only then, you know, before ever entertaining any possibilities of the idea, they're going to tell you all the reasons it doesn't work. Well, some of that I know is a temperament. If you're familiar with the Myers-Briggs, the sensing people are very literal, they're very concrete, they're very good with details, and the majority of my assistants are sensing because they're really good at details. And I always appreciate that. And so this isn't about being the person that's really good at knowing, hey, here's might be the drawback of this idea. It's not that. It's not being, re it's not there's something wrong with being realistic. 
It's about never allowing there to be any excitement or joy about maybe an initial idea or an initial story or whatever it may be that you always are going to jump to, yeah, but I bet this is what really happened. Or, yeah, they probably said that to you, but they're probably lying to you. Or, well, you really can't trust people, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't take it at face value. I don't know if they really meant it. Anything like that, because it ends up stealing. It's like stealing from people. So it doesn't mean we're going to be unrealistic and Pollyanna. That doesn't help anyone. But complaining, just like gossip, super easy to do. Very bad habit. Always looking in the negative, it's much easier to do. And it can feel like a less, lesser risk than looking at the positive. Because sometimes it takes more effort to be positive, doesn't it? See, negativity is like, it's like gravity. It just pulls us down. It's easy to go there. So we have to be really careful that we are building each other up, that we are really focusing on all the good things that God is doing, knowing that we can trust him, and certainly letting ourselves commiserate sometimes with our friends because that's just part of getting some healing. It's just like, I just need to tell somebody this. I just need to complain for a couple minutes. There's nothing wrong with that. It's if that's my relating style. That's when it's not healthy. That's when it's irritating and really, truly annoying, right? So let's talk about courtesy. How about opening doors for people, letting somebody order first, not interrupting, not talking on top of people, chewing with our mouth closed, using a napkin, saying please, saying thank you, returning phone calls when we say that we should, and if we didn't, apologizing for that, discourtesy, any of these things that, that really are like a soothing balm to people, all right? It makes such a harsh world so much nicer to experience. It's, and always think about how you feel when somebody, you know, it's really busy traffic and someone just lets you in. They wave you in. And you're like, wow, that was nice. How about if someone opens a door for you? They hold the door for you. Just things that they don't have to do. So courtesies really help our whole entire society rise to a higher level of functioning. It causes us to be higher functioning people instead of base people, instead of primitive people. It's one of the ways that we honor the magnificence of God's creation, and that is his people and his world. That when we're polite, we take care of things, we're not sloppy, we're not entitled in, in the way that we act. These are the things that honor God, honor others, and end up honoring ourselves. The more courteous and polite you are, you will be a nice thought in people's minds. I promise you. They will think, even if they don't necessarily say to themselves, oh, that's such a courteous person. They'll say, gosh, that's a great guy. That's a great man. That, that woman, she is so easy to be around. She's really nice. Now, that doesn't mean I'm a pushover. But it means that I'm going to be on top of myself. I'm going to manage myself. Now, we, we hopefully learned manners when we were little kids. And if you didn't, I would encourage you to learn them. Because it goes a long way in having any influence at all. So if your job is selling, man, the more courteous you are, even if you don't have the best deal, people will probably want to work with you more than they would the jerk that has a great deal for him. 
courtesy, kindness, these types of things, really smiling at people, this stuff really softens the harshness of the world. And so that kind of leads us into, how about social media? How about all the electronics that we have? How about what what does courtesy look like in those in those arenas? And I'll tell you one of my biggest my this is one of the ones that kind of annoys me because I do a lot of texting because it's so much more convenient than having to try to call somebody, have a conversation, or you know, emailing back and forth. It's difficult on my job because I'm not in front of a computer pretty much the whole entire day until I go home or in the morning. So it's hard for me to have. I don't have conversations through email. That's difficult for me to do. So one of the things that I can tell you the truth really kind of can bug me is if somebody is asking me a question and like, let's say they're maybe, hey, would you be able to come and speak at our group uh, Friday night, uh, whatever, 31st? And I say, no, I'm actually booked on that one, right? Would you like me to do another time? And then they don't respond. Or they don't give me any other options. That's the only option they give me. They go, okay. How about if, if, if I know there is some information they could anticipate that they could just give to me so that I don't have to constantly be asking for more information? So when you give these one-word answers, when you don't anticipate what someone really might need to know whenever it is that you're communicating, so I'm not talking about giving a book, a novel, in a text message, but you want to be polite. You don't want to make it difficult like... They have to text you back, and they have to ask, do you want to know this, or would this work? No, that won't work. What will work? Why don't you offer information? Make it easy for people. We have so much information and so much communication that we're doing. People are exhausted by it. How about selfies, right? How about doing too much social media and bombing out everybody's phone, right? How about, we, we talked about this idea of being more interested in your phone than the people in front of you. Be courteous in your social media. Be courteous when you're interacting through emails. Because if you're not in front of them visually, the only part of you they get is what you put in writing. So be careful of tone. Be careful what you're putting out there. And I don't mean be embarrassed or be like, you know, legalistic. Be courteous. Consider the effect it might have, how people might hear it, how they may read it, because we're wanting to take advantage of social media as a wonderful way to really connect God's people, not as a way to tear them apart. So Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Have a great day, a great rest of your week, and I'll join you next Sunday. Thank you, Jeremy, so much for all your help. To hear today's program again or to share it with someone else, please go online, CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Follow Cynthia on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Cynthia Hyatt. Until next time, remember, be your own best version.
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.